AJ Puck, Tanner Scott, not yet thrown anything in any spring games. What does this mean for the Marlins bullpen? Are these guys going to be ready for opening day? They're supposed to be big parts of the leverage pen. The Marlins, they fell foul of that last year in 2022. What does this mean? Can the guys make opening day? Dig into all of this on today's Locked On Marlins. You are Locked On Marlins, your daily podcast on the Miami Marlins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings from England and welcome to Locked On Marlins. This is your daily Marlins podcast. I'm your host, Peter Pratt. Hit me up on Twitter at Miami Marlins underscore UK. Yes, I am English. I'm British. I'm from Great Britain, the UK, however you want to phrase it. I don't know how I'm hosting Locked On Marlins. Nevertheless, I'm just a fan of the podcast. <laughs> you can hit subscribe wherever you get your pods. It's your team every day. Hit subscribe over on YouTube. Also, the video version is available. Sean Barrett is back in the house. I teased it out yesterday. This is Thursday's episode, Thursday the 9th of March. However, this is being recorded on Wednesday the 8th of March. So if any breaking news happens in the meantime, that'll be covered on Friday's episode when I finally catch up. Nevertheless, Sean, the UK GOAT. How are we doing, brother? I'm doing well, Pete. I'm already confused. And, and now we're going to talk bullpen. So this could bullpen, get... baby. Bullpen baby, for those wondering, like, why is this pre-recorded? I'm headed to go and see Chris Brown. Uh, Sean, are you a fan of Chris Brown? I think anything that's modern in music is probably uh, is uh, even more of a struggle for me, to be honest. <laughs> I'm very intrigued to see uh, the the demographic that is there. It's this happening in Manchester. Chris Brown in Manchester. He's been touring around the UK. I, I think it's his first tour in the UK. I think he'd had some, you know, some you know, criminal charge related issues that meant that he couldn't tour historically. Uh, but I'm interested to see the demographic as me as a near 40 year old male. Uh, how many of those will be in attendance? We'll wait and see. And for those thinking, thinking, oh, Pete must be going with Tara. He, it must be Tara that uh, Tara being my wife. Uh, it must be Tara that said, hey, let's go and see Chris Brown. no. That is not the case. This is me pushing the ticket. I wanted to see Chris Brown. It was a Christmas present. So while you're listening to this episode, I may well be listening to Chris Brown in Manchester. Favorite song? I'm not sure I have one. There's too many. Nevertheless, let's get this episode rolling, baby. Um, we're here to talk about bullpens. And I think one thing that dawned on me and you, Sean, uh, was the fact that we haven't seen either of Tanner Scott or AJ Puck throw anything yet in spring. Both of them turned up to camp healthy. Pitches and catches report. Next thing is, we got some nice stuff of Scott and Puck. And then they're shut down, both of them. And they seem to be on exactly the same timetable, where they're both kind of building themselves up, um, which is good to see. They're obviously making progressions. But overall, as we sit here, what, like three weeks? Is it three weeks? Less than three weeks? It, pretty much three weeks away from opening day. The guys haven't thrown anything in, in any kind of spring game just yet. How... How big a risk is it that either or both aren't on the roster for opening day and need an IL stint to get the year started? I think it's it's quite on a knife edge right now. You've got yeah. both of them, as you said, they've not pitched in a game yet. You hear words like tightness and discomfort. You're always concerned. And I think the Miners did the right thing in shutting them down, letting them recover, 
because you, you don't want to throw through that and, and cause an actual injury. I think they both threw, I want to say yesterday, but it isn't yesterday now, is it? They both, <laughs> threw, on, they both threw on Tuesday uh, to live hitters, and they're expected to pitch on Friday against the Nationals. So it's it's a case of they're going to get some game time. As long as there's no setbacks, as long as there's no issues, and they can get into the game and start from now, I think they'll be fine. But I think it is a case of if there's anything else, if there's any other reason for them to, to scale back their, their their pitching, then you really could be at a, a situation where you've got guys who, while they can be ready and they can pitch in Major League games, one of the key things you want to see from your, your bullpen is guys that can throw twice yeah. um, in two days because otherwise you're putting a lot of strain on everyone else, and especially when these guys are going to be the leverage guys. Yeah. You know, you're going to be using you're going to be using less and leverage guys in in important spots, and that's not really where you want to be. Yeah, for sure. I, I think just looking at how things played out in 22, it's just it, for me having this this leverage pen just kind of teed up, ready to go. I think is is so critical for the Marlins starting fast. That was the the main hamstring early in the year was these kind of blown saves and blown leads. I mean, we. We saw it on on opening day. The Marlins got themselves back into the mix. They took the lead in the ninth. Bender came out. Home run first pitch, I think it was, to tie the game. Um, And that kind of, they never recovered from that almost. It was like opening day, blown save in the ninth. And really, that kind of set the tone for the fish. And so, you know, we really need these guys to be be there. When we're looking at these injuries uh, themselves, AJ Puck dealing with some sort of groin issue, um, and considering his, you know, the, the, the extension he would ha- he has and the, the, the length of his limbs, I'm pretty sure that must be quite a challenging injury. But Tanner Scott equally, it looks to be some sort of arm or bicep injury, which I don't know which is more worrying. Anything linked to arms always gets me worried with, with pitchers. And so, you know, I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm hopeful. But at the same time, to your point, the knife edge, I think, is the right language here. Like, these guys are right on the cusp of, like if they can't progress um, or if there's any kind of setback, then they're going to be missing the first two weeks of the season, I think. And that's going to be the reality, right? Where you've got the 15 day IL, that's what they're going to be on. So that's kind of two weeks of the season evaporated with, with these guys, which, you know, is, is not ideal. Which one of these two, just thinking about these, these two in terms of their roles, which one of these two do you think is going to be given the higher leverage opportunities earlier on, whether that be seventh or eighth inning or even ninth. I mean, we can't, we can't rule that out being lefty options, Flora being righty uh, as well. Um, how would you see this pecking order shaping up? I, I don't think we've got any clear indication from Skip, but if it was you, where would you go? I think it's hard to say because I think Scott might have the, um, the front running of the situation just because of the stuff over puck, but, and, and the, and the, consistency the guy the guy's been there but because we can't control the walks you know we can't see that we can't see him in spring training games and we know that spring training games don't matter but you don't want to see a guy walking people left right and center no. i think for, i think if if neither of them are available or if they struggle or if, if it's a slow progress i think Floyd for me is still i've said that before i think he's my safe leader i think he's my safe opportunities i think he is the guy that He's shown what he can do at the major league level in the closer role. Yeah. I think all the struggles that we saw from last year were at the beginning of the season. He really did sort of ramp it up. I think if you were to give me two 
you know, first half and second half this year of his second half last year, sign me up. That's a that's a oh, twenty five yeah. thirty save guy in my eyes. And you know, the Marlins. I mean, when was the last time the Marlins had a thirty save guy? I can't even think. I've no idea, mate. I mean. It's been a long time. It's been before I've been following the team, that's for sure. The only the only problem is is there's a decent chance that, that Floro ends up maybe with 30 saves in totality, but you know, a good portion of them aren't with the Marlins, perhaps. So we'll we'll see how that goes. I'm I'm intrigued. I'm very intrigued where they go with Puck. I think, you know, for, for Kim, uh, you know, more broadly, like bigger picture, I think Kim Ang will be devastating that maybe devastated is a little bit too far but the fact that she's made this move which is a, a pretty sizable deal in in some ways because of the players and their draft positions but bloody for puck and then for puck to come in and to get hurt pretty much straight away off the back of a a, a major league career anyway or a professional career littered with injuries not groin in injuries so we have to call that out it isn't Hasn't been the groin that's been a, a recurring problem or anything, but I think Kim Ang will be really, you know, unhappy the fact that Puck's gone down straight away. And because, you know, anytime there's a trade involved, a sizable one, then there's eyeballs on it, right? And she'll want Puck to succeed um, naturally. We all want Puck to succeed. And I, rem- I think the early reports were, like, in terms of, like, the first kind of pitches and catches stuff that was going on was... Boy, oh boy, AJ Puck looks like lights out. Like that, he looked to really flash early. I think so. You know, from us, we're looking for extra help in this leverage pen. Going back to the problems we had in '22, AJ Puck makes it made a ton of sense. Like we need him out there. We need him out there early as well because you know, first, you know, there's no hiding place for the Marlins. First, first, you know, week you got the Mets and the Twins. So there's going to be some tough games there straight away, some close games, I'm sure. Boys are going to be needing puck. Let's get into our first ad, and then we'll carry on this conversation around the bullpen. Uh, There's a few other topics I want to get into, but reminder, this episode is brought to you, and our graphics equally, brought to you by our our good friends over at FanDuel. It's the midway point of the NBA season, guys, and it's the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. New customers, they get a no-sweat first bet up to one thousand dollars that is bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win how do you do it well you just simply download the fan jewel sportsbook app it's safe secure it's super easy to use you've got everything in there money line point scorers threes drained you name it it is in there fan jewel they even let you combine your bets for a chance with a bigger payout which i like the sound of with a same game parlay don't miss your chance to get no sweat first bet $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. That is fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with Fanduel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. Lovely, lovely, lovely. Okay, so bullpen side. I'm with you, Sean, by the way, that I see Dylan Floro getting the majority of saves. Where does Matt Barnes fit into this, uh, this conversation, mate? Let's assume. Scott and, and and Puck are healthy. Do you see Matt Barnes maybe filling the kind of Bassman role, kind of slotting into that seventh inning, um, maybe with a need to kind of, you know, give Floro a, a blow if required in the ninth and they need a righty guy to get a few outs. But I don't know. My, my gut feel is he's going to end up being the seventh inning guy. What about you? 
I think to begin the season, yeah, you're right. I think he could have to slide into that eighth role, um, ninth role if Flores done multiple innings. If if that's the situation, then the Mayans really are playing well because when you need to give your closer a day off um, in a save opportunity, then this. I mean, yeah. this is again, this is uh, pie in the sky stuff. But yeah, uh, yeah let's hope. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, I think all four guys are are in that competition. It is that close we spoke before about the closer by committee. Mm. Uh, Ultimately, one of those guys will will rise above. But to begin the season, this is really a good opportunity for Barnes. You know, mm-hmm. originally planned in with like I've got four guys in this competition with me. It's closed down to two now, maybe to open the season to begin with. We yeah. get a couple of really decent scoreless position uh, innings from him, or if Floro struggles, Barnes could automatically start to get save opportunities and run with it. This is this could be a dream scenario for him as an individual. Yeah, it really is, isn't it? This, this, this is a great point where right now the, the four-headed beast, maybe even five, because some people were talking about um, Chaguar as well, Chago. I mean, still uncertain on that pronunciation. But him being in the mix, I must say he hasn't had the best of springs thus far. Uh, again, small sample size, right? So we, we can't go too crazy. Um, but I think those four in particular, maybe we'll, we'll include Chago into that as well. Uh, but with those two down and Chago having a struggle, it is pretty much kind of Floro and Barnes. Um, and, you know, let's be honest, Floro got blew up in one game as well. So, um, you know, there's there's roles to be taken here for this for this bullpen. Like if Matt Barnes really settles in, um, it wouldn't shock you if he if he kind of just captured this role and, and ran with it. And based on the history, if it's 2021, Matt Barnes, then no problem. Dylan Floro back to the eighth, which originally that was Floro's role. You know, before they um, they made the moves, um, you know, Floro was the eighth inning guy, and he was really effective in that. And I think we always felt, mate, that you know the Marlins were going to go and get a closer, and Floro would just kind of slide backwards. He has been effective in the eighth, but when I look at you know the trade they've made and some of the early reports, I'm getting the sense that the Marlins really would love AJ Puck to ascend into that ninth inning role, Floro slide backwards, and then you've got Tanner Scott, Matt Barnes kind of handling the seventh interchangeably. Um, I, I just get the sense that's the plan. Clearly, we need to see the production, and that's the point, right? One of these guys or a few of the guys will ascend, but that's the way I think they're going with this, and I think by the end of this year, AJ Puck will be your Marlins closer. Some of that is linked to Dylan Floro being a free agent too. Um and I, I think that would be, you know, if it's legit, I think that would be stunning for the Marlins where you end up with a guy, a big lefty guy, hard throwing, big stuff. Like, that's what the Marlins need there in, in the ninth. For, for, for quite a few years, mate, they've gone down this pathway of kind of what I'll describe as nibblers, like the Kinslers, the Floros, um, the who was the guy who um, was around before he used to throw like the tunnel ball stuff. Um who am I thinking of? Years ago. <laughs> I think there's too many to name, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> They're all nibblers. Where's where's the flamethrowers? You know, um, but they, they've had a quite a similar profile, which has lagged what I would say behind the league in some ways. Like the league went really high velo, high stuff, big strikeout stuff in the ninth. The Marlins can never quite find that dude, right? I do wonder if finally they they land on AJ Puck, and that maybe solves this ninth inning for the Marlins for for at least the next three seasons, let's say. What about you? And that's a key point. He's controllable. Yeah. 
I'm not a big fan of lefties in in the closer role personally, mm-hmm. but that's that's a, a, my, a minor quibble if he's actually an elite pitcher. And we saw what we saw from him last year. You know that he he's a bit of health. That's what the Marlins need. And unfortunately, the slow start is is kind of a concern. But if he's healthy and if he can repeat what he did last year, then yeah, you could. And as he said, with Flo presumably leaving the team either at the deadline or at the end of the season if the Marlins are in it. But realistically, let's say he, he's going at the deadline, then Puck, yeah, if Puck can take the role before then and earn it before Floro goes, you can really have a lot of hope. Uh, just to circle back on uh, the last 30 save leader was AJ Ramos, a guy that um, he liked I remember him. as well, to be fair, but he had some good stuff as well. So it's been a while since the Marlins have had a, a since a twenty save leader. That was, but it is a case of the Marlins. They've got an awful lot of, as, as you just said, a lot of eighth inning guys. They do fighting to be a ninth inning guy rather yeah. than having a guy that's earned the role. But yeah. the pieces are there. I mean, we've talked before about the Marlins going into seasons with guys that had no save opportunities. You know, you got Barnes who, who had a good shot. He struggled last year, but he's he's taken the role and run with it before. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's something that really could be interesting as we go into this season, especially with the guys, you know, struggling a little bit. Yeah, definitely. What year was that AJ Ramos year, by the way? If you've got it up in front, uh, of you? twenty fifteen and twenty sixteen uh, were the years. Okay, there you go. That was just see AJ Ramos. Uh, was was the closer when I started following the Marlins. I may have even seen him pitch that game where I went to uh, Marlins Park then when the Marlins beat the Diamondbacks on a rainy Tuesday. Um, what about some of the fringe guys, mate? Just like uh, as we're starting to get our eyeballs on some of the other guys, has anyone stood out to you um, from the guys maybe that's been added to the 40-man that you know were, were added uh, in the offseason anyway or maybe some non-roster guys, probably limited amounts of non-roster guys um, because most of them are getting blown up, but what about maybe some of the other guys that are fringe that you think could kind of step up? Well, we'll need to step up at the major league level. Anyone really impress you thus far, or has it been a bit of a wash thus far? Yeah, I mean, I, I did see uh, Chichi Gonzalez get oh. absolutely up. That was uh, yeah, that wasn't too much fun. Um, it's so difficult, isn't it? Because you're talking about guys that have thrown two or three innings. Um, yeah. Castano's pitched well. You know, he's good. Castano's just always seems to be there. I've got some crazy notes up on the board up here from seasons past and Castano's names on nearly all of them, you know, for opening seasons. And he's just always there and he's always needed. And I think, I think this season could be a really, you know, good shot for him to spend a lot of time in the major leagues. If the Marlins do want to go six man, if they do want to stretch that out a little bit, we spoke before about the idea that they're still going to need another long man because you can't just go six men and go with just, one inning guys so the fact that he's pitched pretty well I think that's that's going to be really important for the Marlins and yeah the rest of the guys I mean it is a case of you're looking at two three innings um, in spring against guys who might not be at the major league level so for me there's it's, it's too little of a sample to even to, to look at it I mean the guy can give up one run over two innings and have a, a stupidly crazy ERA and what can you really take from that? But yeah, I think the Marlins, yeah, the Marlins ultimately you look at the the guys that are being invited to the team and and you don't really see much too much hope. I think the Marlins really are going to need um, 
um, puck back. It's a case of the Marlins. They haven't. They've pieced together a semi-decent bullpen, but it stops. Then there's there's not yeah. much filler coming back uh, after that. I think I know that a lot of people are excited about the young starters coming up, but that's still something that's that's not going to help the bullpen too much because they're not going to be long guys. And I think a lot of the excitement is something you should be excited because it's one of the main assets that the Marlins have. But Yuri Perez is not walking through that door this year um, to to throw meaningful and multiple innings in my eyes. I think it is a case of he's he's still developing, he's still young, he's got to yeah. build that arm up. I think the Marlins at at this point are in a very sticky situation with their with their entire bullpen and, and their rotation. It's it's quality, I think, mm. but it's it's not very deep. No, it isn't. It is a mate. That's the that's the point that I've I've made where we're talking about this kind of Braxton Garrett making the team, who's next man up situation. You then end up with like, is Brian Hoeing the next man up? Bit of buzz about Brian Hoeing until he got blown up again recently. So we're back to kind of square one there. You know, Uri Perez, Dax Fulton, I'd put them in the same bucket where they both were asked to go multiple innings in a couple of spring games. And they made some mistakes, as you'd expect. Like, they're young dudes, really young dudes. Uh, I know Dax Fulton has been reassigned now. Um, Uri Perez is still with the team. And I think that's likely linked to the fact that Sandy, uh, Jesus Lozado, and Johnny Cueto are all leaving camp to go and play in the WBC. So they're going to need a couple of three, four-inning guys. Um, and they'll continue to kind of build Uri up. And equally, it's a good experience for him. Um, which is kind of maybe why I was slightly surprised that Dax Fulton was, was reassigned, knowing that you know, there's innings to be had. Uh, but maybe those innings will be kind of sprinkled across the bullpen, guys. I think that might be the thinking there. Just, uh, you know, less, you know, rather than having two guys go four each, it's maybe one guy goes four, and then you really start to sprinkle the innings across, like, multiple bullpen dudes to just see what you've got in some of them. Because going back to right at the top here, mate, you know, with any setback at all, Puck and Scott are in serious danger here. Razaban, we haven't seen at all either yet because he had his visa issues. So you've got three guys that I would say were projected opening day bullpen pieces, all of which that are just on the edge right now of being able to make opening day. And with that, for the Marlins, they need to consider if things aren't right with any of those three or all of those three, who, who's going to be in this pen to start the year? And so that's kind of why I think they're going to really start to Ask some questions about the pen. Stephen O'Kurt, I must say, has looked nice. I mean, O'Kurt was going to make the the, the opening day roster anyway. Um, but O'Kurt, I think, definitely has stood out for me. But I'm looking at the guys, you know, that have been added to the 40-man. You know, your, I guess your um, Sean Reynolds, your six-foot-eight dude, um, your Josh Simpson, Soriano, Villalobos, uh, you know, Tommy Nans, Andrew Nardi, all these guys. They're the guys that I'm really interested to see. Can any of them really kind of you know, put their best foot forward at this point to be available, ready to go, and the Marlins have confidence in them in the opening day bullpen. With that being said, uh, let's call it a day. We've gone over 20 on the bullpen, guys. I hope you've enjoyed this bullpen extravaganza. Uh, thanks for making Lockdown Marlins your first listen of the day. If you are thinking about your second listen, and it is fantasy baseball season, guys, get on over to Locked On Fantasy Baseball. Matt and Dom have got you covered over there. They bring you the best fantasy draft strategies uh, you can get uh, Locked On Fantasy Baseball wherever you get your pods and on YouTube. It's part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and it's your team every day. 
Thank you to the UK GOAT, Sean Barrett, for joining me back-to-back episodes on Thursday, the 9th of March. This has been pre-recorded. As you listen to this, I am enjoying Chris Brown live in Manchester. And with that being said, I'll see you tomorrow.